Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm here with Ben Girding, and we're going to be talking about the basketball game that happened last night. Um, boy, did that suck. Um, we have a whole bunch of thoughts. It's going to be a long conversation, and hopefully by the end, like I'm not sure what the goal is. Is this like a talking off the ledge? Are we like mourning at this point? Because there's still a couple weeks left in the season. I don't know. We'll figure that out in a second. But first, a couple more words about the Colorado XOs. Um, Rugby Town USA is very excited to introduce all of you to the new rugby venture and team, the Colorado XOs. Um, the Colorado XOs are athletes who have competed at the highest level of their respective sports, whether that's football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, track. Um, they all have the necessary skills to be very good at rugby. And so now a lot of those guys are being trained down at the uh, Rugby Town National Training Center in Glendale to be rugby players and ideally to make the U.S. men's or women's national team, which also trains at the uh, headquarters down in Glendale. Um, You can follow along with all the awesome things that are happening uh, with Colton Strickler and the DMVR Rugby podcast or uh, at DMVR Rugby on Twitter. So make sure that you are doing that. There's a lot of cool stuff happening right in our own backyard. Okay, Ben, um, let's start here. What is the goal for this podcast? Are you hoping like by the end you can get it all out and just like relax and move on? Or is this like a thing that's going to linger for a few days or what? Hi, I, it's a good question, you know, it, and it's tough because the schedule does not get a whole lot easier moving forward. So, you know, there's not a chance where you can turn around and quickly identify a game where you can get things back on track. You know, you're still on the road now this week. You got to turn around on Thursday and, and play at Oregon. I will say briefly on that note, I'm very happy the Oregon game is uh, on Thursday because this team just plays better on Thursday. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. once they realize that they might get ranked the Saturday games, they just really kind of fall apart. So there is that benefit. You know, I've been trying to be the positive one all season long, un- unapologetically optimistic. And I'll say at the end of this podcast, you know, let's just have a vent session. Let's break down what happened. But still remember, this team is still top one of the conference. They're still top 20 in net in Kempom. They're still a tournament team. So while the wheels are falling off, we all said that this team was probably going to lose one or two games that they shouldn't. And, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about it and identify it after such a big win like we did on our postgame show after Stanford. But, you know, that's the reality is you're just going to lose a couple games that you shouldn't. And, and this just kind of falls into that bracket. And uh, those are all good points. And this being a game that you shouldn't lose, even that, you there there's an argument you could make because it is a road game in the Pac-12. And sure, Cal has struggled, but it's always going to be tough to win games when you're not at home in college basketball and we'll dig into all the specifics of what happened but a lot of things broke Cal's way which is going to happen sometimes and I don't think any of us were under the impression that you know if if everything goes the wrong way the Colorado Buffaloes are a team that goes and, and wins road games because that's not where this program is that's why we're saying you know there's a chance to be the Pac-12 champion they should be a top four seed are they a, a, a top two seed in the NCAA tournament, though? No, 
that they aren't that caliber of team. And that's why when, you know, you don't get to the line as much as you want, you miss some free throws when you're there. You have a couple of guys in foul trouble. You only make two threes in the first half. As soon as these things start combining, the odds get tough to overcome, especially on the road. And while this is a tough loss, you know, the Buffs were favored by 11 points or whatever. Like you said, we were expecting some losses and for one of them to come here isn't the biggest surprise in the world, although it certainly doesn't make it feel any better. Um, Let's just dig into this game. Uh, I mentioned a couple of the things that stood out to me. I'll add another to that list. You know, the uh, Cal actually had a guy go off in the first half. So I I said the the bus were two of six from three in the first half. Kin missed eight minutes because of foul trouble in the first half. Evan was on the bench a little bit in the first half. Uh, There were some tough circumstances. And on top of that, Cal had a player go three of four in the first half from three. That gave him 11 points in the first half, which was his career high. You know, see, that's just another one of those dumb things that happens. Somebody who has no business scoring in double digits gets hot from three, and all of a sudden, you know, you take two of those threes away, you give a three to the buffs, and that three-point deficit halftime is a six-point lead. Um, Just frustrating to see so many little things not work out for Colorado. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) This just had a a weird feeling to it all game. There was something off. And and you pointed it out. His name, Jalen Celestine, or, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't even remember how you pronounce the thing. I just didn't. He'd made, he's only made, I'm pretty sure, like six free throw or six um, three pointers going into the night. And and like you said, it hits three or four in the first half. I mean, those are just the fluky things that happen in college basketball sometimes that you just can't account for. And to have Ken sit that much in the first half, to be honest, I think was a mistake. I've never bought into the automatic benching at two fouls in the first half because, you know, oftentimes it makes sense in the moment because, you know, well, you you really, really can't pick up that third foul. But McKinley Wright sat, like you said, for eight minutes in that first half because he had two fouls. He didn't pick up a single other foul in the second half. Now, while it, it was nice that he was rested, he had to play 20 straight minutes in the second half, and that's mm-hmm. a tough task. And on top of that, if you have McKinley right out there for even his normal minutes or even a little bit less in that first half, the offense, I think, just operates a little bit smoother because Keyshawn Bartholomew, I just still don't think he's there. He's got, you know, he's got some very impressive moments, but there are other times where he'll take wild shots that McKinley Wright just doesn't attempt because it's such a low percentage look. He'll try and get other people involved. So, you know, I, I think that was a, honestly, I think that was a big contributor because, yeah, you're down at the half and the the foul discrepancy in that first half, you know, you've had a couple bad calls um, and that's going to that's gonna put you in a, in a bad headspace going into halftime because, yeah, these guys know how much they're favored as well. And so that's just kind of a, a blow to the gut. And then you come out in the second half and it's just, spurts you know sometimes they look great other times they just can't get a good look and unfortunately too for Colorado you know when so many things go wrong especially on the road you just need to be able to hit some shots and the boss 20 percent from three only 71 percent from the free throw line tonight or uh, last night which is is far below their average so they just had so many things that they're not used to having go wrong go wrong and it 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 combined into this catastrophe of a loss for lack of a better term against the team, a game that was beatable. Um, And so that's why, you know, we say it was, you expect to lose some games along the line, but the problem is, is this one was beatable. And now this puts you at three quad three losses. And for me now, Colorado just has a reputation for me as far as they just play to the level of their opponent. They've looked fantastic against good teams, but against bad teams, they just, choose you know to have their off nights then and quite frankly i think that's actually okay because the selection committee is going to care far more about your quadrant one and quadrant two record than you know your q3 and q4 because those quad one quad two teams those are who you're going to play so how do you play against other tournament teams is going to be a big factor um and so i do think that's at least one another silver lining you can lean back on yeah 
it, it definitely is. And I, I totally agree that if you can have it, if you have to pick one way or the other, you, you beat the good teams and lose to the bad teams instead of the other way around in terms of the resume and in terms of what's best for the team. But then if you're thinking in terms of what is best for my own mental health, then no, <laughs> then we're going the other way. We're no longer watching the Buffs lose to Washington and Utah and now Cal. And it's just been, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see. And uh, like you said, like Keyshawn, it's not like he played a perfect game. He still has room to grow. But to be honest, I thought that first half was good. You know, when you factor in that Evan Batty and Kin are both in foul trouble. Once, right. once you remember, Kin is only out there for 12 of 20 minutes and you say, okay, we put up 33 points offensively. Good work. That is good work for that team. Um, I really liked the way the offense looked. I, I thought that everything just seemed to click without Kin in a way that you don't see very often. And, and it's kind of weird because that game, I thought, started with Kin just driving everything. It seemed like every single possession, he was in control, he was dribbling, he was getting it to the open guy, and he really was the engine of that machine the way that you imagine. Like, he was playing basketball the way I think we all expected Kin to play basketball throughout most of the season. Well, other, other than the fouls, of course. But then once he goes out, you see things like <sighs> Jariah makes a couple shots. Eli made a couple of big threes, or I guess maybe only one was a three ones, a uh, deep two. I can't remember. Um, but Keyshawn had a, a deep two of his own that he knocked down. He got to the rim and got another. And while McKinley was out that first time, I really thought that the buffs locked in. And now, you know, at the same time you say, well, they wound up losing that half. And it's like, yeah, they lost that half, but they didn't have their best player. They're on the road. And I'm not saying that it was perfect basketball by any means, but when you can see the way that Keyshawn can, can take some shots, Eli can take some shots. Jariah can post up. He can stretch you from the three point line. He can drive. Deshaun can just fill in whatever role you need. I still feel good about this basketball team. I still think that all of these pieces work really well together, but you've got to be able to knock down some more shots. And I thought in the first half, they should have taken more threes. I think there were two of six. And in the second half, they were one of nine. That's tough. That's really tough. And somebody needs to knock down some shots that night. And Deshaun Schwartz going 0 of 6 from 3 really hurts. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, this kind of goes back to, to you look at that Washington game when they were one of 16 from three. And that just does not happen on a night in, night out basis. And again, I can hear the comment section or you know people on twitter saying well you know if this game happens in march like your season's over and it's like well yeah that's a great point but if you have a historically bad shooting night yeah your season's probably going to be over and you have to kind of live with the consequences of it but out of you know how many games they've played now this year 22 23 games they've had two tremendously bad shooting nights two bad shooting nights that directly correlated to the loss of the game. You know, you look at Tennessee or Utah and, you know, those losses, you can't attribute that to a three-point percentage. But Washington and now Cal, you absolutely can. You were on the road. You just didn't, you know, the bucket was not falling your way. And, you know, you, you mentioned it. Deshaun Schwartz, 0 of 6 from 3. That guy is one of the best three-point shooters in the Pac-12. For him to go 0 of 6 is one of those flukes uh, as far as things that just don't happen every single game, you can bank on him having at least 30% from three. And the other thing too is Maddox Daniels not even getting a three-point attempt up. Another one of the Pac-12's premier shooters this season wasn't even able to get an attempt. So there's just a lot to look at and, and be upset with, quite frankly. But some of the things that, really could have turned this game around, I think are, are easily fixable or are one of those, you know, it, it just isn't going to happen every night type of things. I don't think this team comes out and is 20% from three. I mean, you know, for God's sake, for a five-game stretch, they, they were almost 40 or they were almost 50% from three for like a five-game stretch. 
So clearly they have the potential. They have the ability to knock down shots. Just last night, it just wasn't falling. And it's, it's tough for fans to wrap their heads around, you know, and, and I'm in that boat too. It's, it's difficult because you want these guys to go out there and, and do their job. But the thing that's so often missed, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, I, I saw some people on Twitter, and of course, Twitter is a terrible place for bringing up things, but questioning this team's heart. And I, I just want to address that on the mere platform that I have. First of all, you know, these guys are kids, damn near. You know, they're 18 to 21 years old. And they're going out of their way in a, in a national global pandemic to still play basketball. They're choosing to be here. And they absolutely showed heart last night. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it to you, Henry, before we got started. I've said it before. I'm not going to blame the rest for that loss because I totally understand they blew some chances. But at the same time, there's just a point when you feel so defeated that you think, quite frankly, everything is going wrong for you. And at that point, it's just going to be a mental game. You know, it feels like you can't get a stop on defense and, you know, you can't get that goaltending call, which would have tied the game. And then they turn around and hit a three in transition. That's a five point swing because everyone was standing around waiting for the officials to, to blow the game to, or uh, to, to pause the game. It's just stuff like that, where it's going to take a mental toll. This team still has heart. They are a mentally tough team. Ryan talks about it all the time. That's one of his favorite things about this roster and about their leaders. So I, I wanted to get that on the record as far as I, I would not, if, if you are one of the people that wants to question this team's heart after that loss, you know, then, then don't come back when they have an incredible win over Oregon or something like that, because, you know, it's the same guys. It's just every night is different. Yeah. And last night was real tough. Oh, I, yeah. um, you know, it, they, it's not like they got beat badly. And that's what's so frustrating is that they were just right there but could never make the move. Like, they never put the run together to get back in front. Um, it's kind of crazy to look at these numbers and see that it says, like, Cal was leading for 31 minutes and 48 seconds. Basically, like, 32 of 40 minutes, Cal was leading. They never led by double digits. The yeah. game... The entire way through was Colorado just three, four, five, maybe seven points behind where Cal was and just never could make that run. You know, you brought the goaltend where if, if that just gets called and it should have been called and it's actually kind of crazy that there is no like review there because it's so obvious that that was a foul. Like it's not something where it's like a charge block and you're like, yeah, 90% of people say that's a charge. They called it a block. That's frustrating. Goaltending is just black and white. Yep. And, and, and that was just a very clear, it's like, are you touching the ball when it's up there or not? And, and if, if you are, then that's just a foul. It's so frustrating to lose that because that ties the game. That could have been the spark. And when you don't get that, you're struggling from the free throw line when you're even getting there. And then you can't make threes it's so hard to make that run. And so they didn't make that run. And that is why that game was just torture because it's just that entire second half sitting and watching and waiting for Colorado to cut the six, five, four point lead down. And they just never quite got all the way back. Yeah. And, and real quick on that goaltending, they, that broke every obvious goaltending rule, mm -hmm. you know, for to be a goaltending, there's a variety of things. You can't block the ball after it's touched the backboard. You can't touch the ball after it's on its way down. You know, you can't touch the ball when it's on the rim. On that one play, they did all of that. McKinley Wright threw it up after a bank shot, and he grabbed it after it was off the backboard and on the rim. And there's a picture circulating that the ball, while it was, like, grabbed, was literally on the inside of the rim. So whether or not it really would have fallen or not, you know, I can't tell. It would have been an incredible shot. But the fact is, is it almost looks like he kind of took the cookie out of the cookie jar. And uh, it's just so incredible to think about how that was missed, you know. And we could have an entire podcast segment. We could have an entire, you know, article series on the website talking about how poorly the pack. 12 handled fishy crew compared to 
other major conferences, especially the Big 12. But just in this one moment, it, it's so egregious that it's not called. And then, look, if he hits that shot and there's no interference, McKinley Wright's on the floor. Um, and Adam Mares, who covers the Nuggets, had an interesting tidbit when we were watching the Nuggets game a couple weeks ago. He said, Almost 80% of the time, if your guard drives in and finishes a layup on the ground, almost 80% of the time, the other team scores because you just have that numbers advantage. So if he would have made that shot, Cal probably still comes back and scores. But if that goaltend is called, that's a stoppage of play that allows Colorado to set their defense. And instead, you just get these strangest 30 seconds of play where both teams know it's a goaltend and they're standing there waiting and then all of a sudden, Cal realizes there's no whistle, and they dribble down the court, and Matt Bradley hits a pull-up three, and damn near the dagger. And so it, it is just tough because even if Cal still turns around and hits a three, that's still one possession game uh, with a minute to go. I don't think um, the Buffs are forcing a three-pointer there. I think they're fully comfortable to do their set offense, do a pick and roll with Batty and McKinley Wright, and get it within one, try and draw on in. You know, it just does change everything. So – that's tough, but, you know, just to come back to it, at some point, you just have to have somebody step up and make that shot. And, and you illustrated it perfectly as far as that second half was just waiting and waiting. And you're just thinking in the back of your head, like, okay, well, you know, maybe that McKinley Wright and one that brought the boss within one point, that's going to spark the run. And it just never came. Um, it was really just the ultimate tease of a half. Anytime Colorado really thought they'd get in there, Cal kept him at arm's length, uh, not far enough to lose all hope, but far enough to, to not allow him to get back in. And, and it just it ends up leaving a very sour taste in the mouth of fans. And this is now, you know, what, the third time that this has happened where Colorado drops a game on a, on a weekend that they should have. And it just really alters the trajectory as far as how fans are feeling going into the next week of games. Yep, Definitely. Um, we're going to talk about this next week of games, what the buffs are dealing with going forward in just a second. Actually, before we take this break, one more thing I want to talk about. Um, Cal is really physical. Um, when you look at that basketball team, you know, it's not the longest, it's not the fastest. They're not the best shooters, any of that kind of stuff. Really, when you look at like Matt Bradley, Andre Kelly, like they're not like Zion or anything, but those guys are just tanks and i think that that physicality was something i I don't know if that's just like a challenge that the buffs struggle with or if that's just a a tough opponent to have to take on in their building because you know that it's going to be so physical and and when we talk about colorado playing down to their opponents sometimes i wonder if they get caught up in this kind of stuff where where it, it does seem like they're they're not getting bullied necessarily. I mean, they outscored them in the paint 30 to 20, but just feels like there's a bunch of big, strong guys and they aren't able, you know, guys like Evan Batty or Jariah Horn aren't quite as capable in the post because of it. I'm not really sure, but I I did think that just the build of this team kind of jammed up Colorado. Matt Bradley is damn near an outside linebacker. I mean, he is built. And when he first came into the into the league, he was very raw. But you could you could feel the talent; it was tangible because he was just so athletic and he had that build. But in the beginning, he just struggled with some jump shots, struggled with some consistency. So, you know, real quick, just on that, huge hats off to Matt Bradley as far as what he's done with his career and really ironing up and, and sharpening the edges of his game because he went from just a raw basketball talent to now a a really refined player. And quite frankly, from an objective eye, he's a ton of fun to watch because he can do so many things. But to your point, it just keeps stifling the buffs. It, it's, it's so interesting that Colorado, when they play a team like Colorado, where a balanced attack, not one guy's going to take over, I think they actually do very well. But when you get into these situations where one guy takes over, the adjustments on defense just aren't there to keep up. And you've seen that now with Matt Bradley and, you know, they're consistency, consistently allowing guys to pop off. Sometimes it burns them like last night. Other times with like Oscar De Silva and Stanford wasn't even a, it wasn't a chance ever in that game. So while Oscar De Silva drops 22 points, you know, you really don't care, but it's, 
it's when you lose the games that you look back and say, well, you know, wow, we, we have some struggles against all-stars and that's going to be tough coming up in this next stretch. Um, you know, I think your last game that you feel, you feel confident about is Oregon state. Now, granted it's still on the road, but you just dismantle that team. Um, and that's the same team, you know, Cal, when they beat by 29 points, that was without Matt Bradley. So there's 28 points right there. That could have been a much closer game. Other than that, Chris, Chris, excuse me, Chris Duarte with Oregon, the Mobley brothers at USC, uh, you know, UCLA is, is the, the most interesting because right now they don't have that dynamic of a score um, because of injuries and whatnot. So they're more of a balanced attack, but it's just going to be interesting to see if this team can make adjustments down the stretch that allow them to kind of limit some of these superstars and make them play team basketball because that's the problem where Colorado just doesn't recruit these five stars or, you know, even just these athletic dynamic people like, like, like a USC or a UCLA. And that's when you're going to run into some issues. That is when you're going to run into some issues. Um, we brought you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country um, because Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation farm um, out of Texas, and they ship all over the beautiful U.S. of A., and they call their Wagyu beef blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Uh, They have so many awesome products from the uh, Wagyu smoked sausage, the New York strip, the beef bacon, Um, The Wagyu Frank without any fillers, two jerkies, um, hamburger, three different types of Hassle Cattle meat sticks. Um, You have original, sweet, and spicy, and uh, jalapeno cheddar. Just so many awesome products, and they're winning all sorts of awards, Um, whether it's from the World Food uh, Championships, from Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. They really do great work, and that's why they are growing as fast as they are and trying to get more customers from Colorado. Uh, if you want to check out their food, you can go to hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com and use the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. It's a great deal. So make sure that you take advantage of this special offer for DNVR listeners. Also, UFC 257 surely gave the fans the show they were looking for. And this weekend is sure to be just as action-packed. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 101 odds on your chosen fighter. Uh, so many awesome deals going on at DraftKings uh, with the odds boost, whether it's the odds boost you find on their page or the odds boost that they give you so that you can boost whatever bet that you want to boost. Um, really, that is the best offer out there uh, when it comes to online sports books, uh, the, the ability to take an extra 50% on whatever bet you want or whatever parlay you want. That's something you just can't find anywhere. Uh, and if you hit on those, it, it can really change your day. So make sure that you download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use that promo code DMVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender to win uh, place your bet. Watch a fist fly this weekend. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 on the main event. Saturday night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So um, let's talk about the Pac-12 and where things are headed. And let's start by talking about the buffs. And here's my question for you, Ben. Is it still reasonable to hold out hope for a Pac-12 regular season title? No, and quite frankly, I don't know that anybody was really there. You know, Mm -hmm. the door was open, Mm -hmm. but we were never really talking about it as a real possibility because even on our post-game show after uh, the win over Stanford, it was, you know, going through the scenarios, Colorado pretty much had to win out, and then you'd have to have uh, UCLA and USC maybe drop a game here or there. No. So, so no, you know, it, it really was a slim chance before anyway. At this point, yeah, I think the door is fully shut and that's okay. You know, so, so often you see this team with, with this potential and it's easy to get too far in. 
and, and get too involved and, and really set the expectations too high. You know, I, for one, have definitely fallen victim for that and, and putting this team at a higher level than, than I think they really are. They were projected to finish seventh in the conference. They still, if, if they're able to continue and finish top four where they're at right now, you're feeling great. You know, and, and right now, the latest bracketology just dropped a few minutes ago. Colorado still projected a seven seed. So while that loss, I don't think changed their, you know, tournament outlook, you know, I, I do think it was a, a seeding loss where, you know, if, if they were a seven, they're not going to jump up to a six, for, for example. But where this team sits in the conference right now is still a tremendous accomplishment when you also take into, a fa- in, into account you're competing with Oregon, Stanford, UCLA, and USC. Those schools are just going to attract recruits differently. They're just, they just are, you know, and they're just going to get different levels of talent. Colorado's already working in an uphill battle from that front. So the fact that they're able to actually compete and be a competitive program for the last couple of years now is a, is, is a great testament of, of where the program is at. Um, but yeah, just to go back to it, if, if you were one of those fans holding out hope, it's time to just refocus the goals, you know, regular season winners are off the table at this point, focus on top four, focus on making some noise in the Pac-12 tournament and go from there. Yeah. And as it stands right now, Colorado sitting at 10 and five, that's number four in the conference. Um, the only real threat to take over number four is Stanford at nine and six. So the night that the buffs lose a game and Stanford wins, that's the night where you hit the tie and Colorado has the tiebreaker because Colorado won both of those games. So basically Stanford would have to beat you by two games the rest of the way, which again, looking at Colorado's schedule, you can find the losses. The question may be, can Stanford get the wins? When you start looking up in front of the buffs in the standings again, Colorado at 10 and five, they're right behind Oregon at seven and three. This is one of the weird ones because Oregon just hasn't played as many games. So they're going to be moving a lot still um, after their next couple of games, because in theory, you know, if, if they win out, they, they should be the PAC 12 champions most likely. Um, but that big game on Thursday between Colorado and Oregon is going to go a long way in deciding how those two teams shake out in the standings. Um, and then at the top, you have USC at 11 and two UCLA at 10 and three. So to, to get over USC at number one, what Colorado would really need is first of all, to beat them when they play um, Colorado needs to win out of course. And then in the last game of the season, you need UCLA to beat USC and you need USC to drop a game to either Stanford or Utah or Arizona or Arizona state, you know, all that's possible if Colorado wins out and I guess you'd still need to pass UCLA, but you could do that with a UCLA loss to Arizona or Arizona state or Utah and Colorado needs to beat them because again, Colorado needs to win out. So the path is still sort of alive. And again, like the way I've been looking at it is just, just be alive when you get to that LA weekend, there's certainly no wiggle room at this point and you're going to need some upsets. But again, when we were watching the games last night before the buffs came on for a second there, it looked like UCLA was going to fall to Washington. And for a second there, it was looking like USC was going to lose to Washington state. Uh, And who knows if, if those two losses happen, then all of a sudden Colorado's loss yesterday is just fine. Colorado wins. Then obviously they're in the driver's seat the rest of the way. It, while I agree that it's it's not really a time to be talking about the number one seed anymore, that is what they're looking at. There is a path. You're, you're looking for some upsets. You need to pull at least one or two upsets of your own. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how things stack up. What do you expect from Colorado when they make this road trip this week, um, playing Oregon on Thursday and Oregon State on Saturday? Uh, you know, realistically, I think you expect another road split. Um, I think what you want to see out of this team is, is to try and stop the bleeding. Um, because now that this is, this has come kind of a, this is now becoming a narrative where you can't, you know, beat the bad teams. So you know, this is an interesting week where, and yet you'd love to split or uh, to, to win out, obviously. And getting a win at Oregon will probably I don't want to say negate, 
but, but a win at Oregon is definitely going to help reduce the damage as far as those quadrant three losses go. Because at this point, the boss, like you said, with the regular season crown off the table, it's kind of where are we going to sit for postseason play? And when you compare the bus resume to USC and UCLA, Colorado is still right behind Southern Cal, you know, and, and so the Trojans are six and three in quad one, quad two games. Colorado is seven and three. UCLA is three and six in those type of games. So, you know, this is another chance to prove yourself when you're on the road at Oregon. This would be a big time win. Conversely, that's probably the hardest road game you're going to play besides Arizona. So if, if you are just able to be competitive, I think you'll feel good about that game. But you cannot come out of this weekend without a win. Uh, you just can't. That is going to – it's going to destroy this team's mental outlook because, you know, for those of you keeping track at home, and I didn't want to bring this up, but yesterday was the start of the last five games of the season, and obviously everybody's going to point to that. And, you know, these guys are on social media – they're probably reading these, these tweets at them and talking about how bad they play, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So if you come out of this without a win and you're on a three-game losing streak, that is what's going to be the narrative is, oh, same old bus, you know, and, and at a certain point, that is just going to wear down on you. So you've got to figure out a way to get at least one. But at the same time, too, I do think it's do or die time. You know, we wrote that art last week, do or die time. I mean, damn near every game is a must win. Yep, that's pretty much where you're at at this point. Um, here's a question. So no line set, of course, for the game on Thursday, but ESPN's basketball power index has a prediction and they say that Colorado, actually, we're going to, we're going to let you guess what percent chance do you think it gives Colorado to win? This can be uh, what does Ben Palm say compared yeah. to uh, BPI? You know, I- I would bet they'd probably give the bus, I want to say, a 65% chance to win that game because of how, how much the metrics love Colorado. They're supposed to be favored every game out. The metrics don't take into account the fact that it's on the road at Oregon. It's 55, but okay. close. Yeah, still pretty crazy to see him favored. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I do agree that, you know, Oregon, Oregon has looked good. That, that win over Arizona – uh, the win over Arizona State, a, a big win over Washington. And before that, they lost to Washington State in a close one. But that was after they had missed three straight games and like six of seven because of COVID. Right. So they're playing really good basketball. They're sitting near the top of the conference. That really is going to be a battle. And to be honest with you, if you're Colorado and, and you really are one of the three or four best teams in the conference, you, you should have to be able to go beat them to prove that you're number three instead of number four. Yep, absolutely. If I were trying to predict what this line would be, I think Oregon would be favored by three or four points. What I think, as far as what I think would be realistic. And that's tough mm-hmm. because, because, again, of how these computer systems dictate these lines – Colorado is going to probably be favored by two and a half or three points. And so that's going to be one where if you want to make an emotional hedge, you can. Um, but yeah, absolutely. If you want to be in, in that conversation, you need to go on the road and prove it. And this is a chance uh, to, to go out there and prove that, you know what, I, we can compete against the good teams. And that just ties a bow back to what we were talking about earlier. If Colorado goes three and one, out of their last four games and their one loss is against the likes of Oregon State, for example, you are feeling fantastic about this team because you're not going to play Oregon State. You're not going to play Cal in the tournament. You're going to play good teams. And so, again, if you can show that you just bring a different level to higher competition, screw it. Honestly, take, take the bad teams as off nights. Maybe you give McKinley Ryder a breather. Maybe he only yeah. plays 20, 25 <laughs> minutes because – if that's your MO, steer into it and just own it. I think you look across the country and, and a lot of teams around this time, they are hearing all the noise and they want to be something they're not. Um, and, and that's what's going to cause you to lose is when you when you try and be a team that you're not. So Colorado at this point, they know their identity. I'm not sure I can peg their identity because some nights they're a dominant force in the paint. 
Other times they, they, you know, shoot lights out from three other times. It's all a, a complete cluster. So they know what they need to do best though. And they need to steer into it. I, I will say too, do not forget the fact that we are, you know, we're minus Jabari Walker right now. Um, yeah. And, and that's a, that, that's a big presence in the paint, you know, Colorado, they won the paint percentage against Cal, but just having another rim protector out there as well as a dynamic piece on offense, as far, as great as what Tristan Silva has done in this little stretch, his offense is not as dynamic as Jafari Walker's. And again, that's not a slight against Tristan Silva. And he played another very efficient night last night. But Jabari Walker is just another one of those X factors. So not having him makes all of these games exponentially harder. Definitely. Um, we're going to go through and uh, look at this week's games in the Pac-12. But first, we got to take one more break so that I can tell you that now is the time to apply and register for classes at MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online wants you to fall in love with yourself for Valentine's Day. That's right. MSU Denver Online is offering free application fees to any and all students. That's $0 for your application fee. Doesn't matter if you're looking to get your undergrad, a graduate degree, or just take online classes. Apply today through uh, February 14th, which is today. So get on that quickly and receive a free application fee. Uh Remember time and again that the one thing that has saved people during economic downturns like the one we just went through is an education that allows them to adapt into a whole bunch of different careers. So figure out what you want to do and then let MSU Denver online help you do it by going to msudenver.com slash online to uh, check out the information on the 40 plus programs that are online or hybrid and we'll get you a degree or the 700 plus courses that you can take. Um, either because you're interested or, or because you're trying to go get a degree. All right. Um, real quickly, before we get out of here, uh, I want to just go through and pick what would be best for Colorado in the games this week. And then also whether we think that's going to happen or not. Um, we're going to start at the top of the conference because obviously what the buffs need is for the good teams to all lose and for Colorado to win USC. They will host Arizona State on Wednesday. They will host Arizona on Saturday. Obviously, the Buffs would love for either of the Arizona teams to win. First off, which team do you think is more likely to be able to beat uh, the Trojans? Uh, yeah, this one's actually, it, it makes me pause a little bit more than, than I think you would think, just because I want to kind of think about the matchups and whatnot. I, I do think Arizona gets that nod just because of how inconsistent Arizona State has been. Uh, you got to think the Wildcats have, have by far the best chance. But with that being said, would not be shocked if Arizona State goes in there and drops 90 points because they're capable of it. And the other thing, too, is USC, while they're a very balanced team, their strength is obviously in the front court. Arizona State has some nice shooters on the outside. If they have a hot night, uh, you know, they're not going to have to worry about USC's rim protection. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good take. Um, UCLA also hosting the Arizona schools. First, Arizona on Thursday, and then Arizona State on Saturday. You thinking the same thing? Arizona's still the tougher matchup? Yep. I, I think they're just a, a more balanced team, and also you get that consistency factor. I also would not be surprised if the Sun Devils struggle against McCronin's defense, uh, you know, j just because he, he could pick that team apart. Over, under, one and a half wins for the Arizona schools this weekend. Ooh, I, I'm going to go under. I think they end up yeah. one and three. I can't tell you specifically which L.A. school I think is going to drop one, but I do think Arizona is able to squeak out a win uh, on one of those courts. That being said, you know, this is USC's conference to run away with at this point. They control their own destiny. And it, it sucks to say it, but it is probably in the Pac-12's best interest if USC wins out, because that will put them as a three seed, probably. Um, and if you do that, you just get a little bit more national, uh, national recognition, because yesterday they released the top 16 early, no Pac-12 teams, and that's a bad look. That is a very bad look. Um, Oregon, number three in the conference. They uh, obviously play Colorado Thursday at nine o'clock. And then they will host Utah on Saturday. Over under one and a half wins for Oregon this weekend. I, it, it's so tough. 
I think that you have to take the over. Um, I, I think that they'll take care of business this week. I, I do think they're a great team. The COVID pause has hurt their national perception. They are not an 11 seed like a lot of people are projecting. Oregon is a good basketball team. They have a lot of talent. Um, I, I'll take the over. I think they sweep, but it is close. I do think Colorado has a good chance. All right. I, I, I'm kind of right there with you. It, it is very close to being the under just because like Colorado having a decent chance to win, Utah having an outside chance of winning. The odds of one of those two things happening are so close to making me want to take the under, but you, you just can't do it. Um, let's hit Colorado as well. And obviously they play uh, Oregon on Thursday and then on Saturday they play Oregon State. Um Got to be taking the under one and a half here, right? Yep. I, I think you expect a split. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, I just took the over on Oregon wins, but would not be surprised Colorado beats Oregon and then drops one to Oregon State because that, yeah. I, again, that's just what this team is right now. And the longer that I think you try and, and deny that fact of their inconsistency depending on opponent levels during the course of the season, I think it's just going to make some of these losses hurt a little bit more. You can't expect them to be undefeated. The fact that they're 16 and six right now, I think is still a tremendous accomplishment. Just, you know, maintaining, and and you know what, this goes for me too. I'm going to do better at it. You know, setting realistic expectations for this bus team is going to make it easier down the stretch. So one and one, I think you're feeling good. Yep. That's where I'm at. All right. Uh, The one team that can come from behind Colorado and, pass them for that number four seed without an actual like explosion inside the buffs locker room or something, not actual because that sounds terrible, but they, they would have to totally implode for anybody else to pass them. Stanford on the road this week at Washington, Thursday at Washington state Saturday. We saw both those teams get real frisky last night and almost pull upsets. Now they're playing a team. That's a little bit worse. Do you think uh, Stanford drops one of those two? I do. Um, one thing that worries me is Isaac Bonton with the Cougars. Uh, it, it looks like he's nursing two ankle sprains, and he is their most explosive player. Their offense just does not look the same when he's not out there. So that's a real-time concern. But you're absolutely right. Washington, it, Washington's playing good basketball. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they are a, a team that, yeah, you should go in there and beat them, but they absolutely can upset you. And with that being said, too, I think that their defense is the, – the Huskies is really going to match up well with the Cardinal. You know, that zone defense, I think, is going to make it particularly challenging to get Oscar De Silva involved down low. Um, and I don't have the box score in front of me from their previous matchup, so I could be saying this and De Silva could have dropped 30 last time. <laughs> but I think, you know, the zone is going to prevent the inside a little bit more, force the Cardinal to, to take some outside shots. I think there's a real chance for an upset. And if that happens, Cardinal go one and one, the Buffs go one and one this week. I think you're feeling very confident about a top four finish. All right. Uh, that's all good stuff. Uh, Oscar De Silva actually only dropped 17 on him, eight of 16 from the field. So there you go. What was the final of that first matchup? 91 75 Stanford one. At that point, though, Washington was one and eight. And after the game, 0 and four in conference play. Right. Yeah. And that is that is important because they've not only picked up a couple wins, but like you said, last night played a good game against UCLA. They're sneaky. Can't sleep on the Huskies. Yep. You could before, though. At that point, you absolutely could sleep on the Huskies. Now, though, you can't. Um, That's good stuff. (laughs) Sucks that the Buffs (laughs) lost last night. Um, But you know what? There's going to be four games left this season. Knock on wood. I forgot. You can't even bank on that. You can't even say at least there's more coming because those can be pulled at any moment. Um, Hopefully, there's going to be four more regular season games, a Pac-12 tournament, an NCAA tournament run. Uh, Stay tuned to DMVR Buffs for all of the coverage of all of that. Uh, Thanks, Ben, for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again later this week. I think they like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway yeah. is
pushing 180. Speeding past competence and see you later, baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you, hit you, hit you. You on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. They like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Nine bow to Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of war. Got me feeling tribal, Big 12, here we come We ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Quick, big, blind side, flat line, no revival Get them bust, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them When we see them, then we add them like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play